The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus began speaking in the synagogue, saying, Today, this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke highly of him, and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They also asked, Isn't this the son of Joseph? He replied to them, Surely you will quote me this proverb, Physician, cure yourself, and say, Do here in your native place the things that we heard were done in Capernaum. And he said, Amen, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. Indeed, I tell you, There were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was closed for three and a half years and a severe famine spread over the entire land. It was to none of these that Elijah was sent, but only to a widow in Zarephath in the land of Sidon. Again, there were many lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When the people in the synagogue heard this, they were all filled with fury. They rose up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town had been built to hurl him down headlong. But Jesus passed through the midst of them and went away. The Gospel of the Lord. Today, our Lord goes back to his native place, and he seems pretty cavalier in saying, well, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. And the dialogue in the passage is really very intriguing. So we pick up exactly where we left off last week when our Lord went into the synagogue and he pulled out the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he reads from the scroll, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. And then he says, today this passage is fulfilled in your hearing, as if to say, I am this anointed one. He recognized who he was in that passage. And then it says, all spoke highly of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. But at the same time, they said, isn't this the son of Joseph? 
as if to say, don't we know this person? He can't be that great. And it seems that simply by knowing him or knowing where he came from, they're put at a disadvantage to receiving the message. Because our Lord goes on. And describes other times in the history of salvation that the Lord sent prophets to people that would be unexpected. That the Lord worked outside of the people of Israel. And then the people get really mad. And they want to kill him. The passage reveals to us what happens when the sin of envy enters into our lives. When there's a spirit of comparison that enters into our life. And it's not often that we reflect on the sin of envy. Because whenever I would think about envy, I would think that it, it's sort of like jealousy. Like I kind of see somebody and I wish that I could be like them. But the sin of envy, it doesn't even get experienced by us as that kind of jealousy. It's a little bit different when it starts to manifest. Because the seeds of envy are planted when we start to compare ourselves with other people. And we recognize things in these other people that are good, that are admirable. And in recognizing that admirable thing in somebody else, we realize, I don't have that thing. They have something I don't have. And then we have a choice. We can either admire that person for everything that they have and say, what a blessing that God has given to this person. and What a blessing that they're a part of my life. Or we can attack that person in order to kind of kill the thing in them that we're jealous of. In order to kill the thing in them that we're jealous of. And this happens in the scriptures. Jesus comes into this town. People recognize him. They grew up with him. But when he speaks, now he speaks with authority. And they can see that the Holy Spirit has indeed come upon him. And it shines a light on the fact that the Holy Spirit has not come upon them. And then they start to attack him, saying, well, isn't he just the son of Joseph? And then in the midst of that attack, 
the sort of normal way things go when people attack us is we kind of like back down. When people say, you're not that great, we can kind of go, oh yeah, I better like back down. I don't want to shine too brightly. But our Lord doesn't do that. Our Lord knows exactly who he is. And he recognizes that he's no different than any of the other prophets of Israel. And he goes ahead and says, the same thing has happened in the life of Elijah and the life of Elisha. And that comparison falls on the ears of the people and they recognize what's really missing in their life. And so now they want to kill him. The sin of envy always comes out as an attack. It always comes out as an attack of character. When we want to tear people down because of the gifts that they have. When we want to tear people down because they have something that we're missing. And this spirit of envy, it permeates the church in so many ways. It permeates our parish in so many ways. And we just kind of like let it go. We don't really think about it very much. But in every parish, there's this dynamic where people look across the aisle and they see people and they imagine that that person's life is so much better than their life. People look across the aisle and they see, oh my gosh, that family is so perfect and their kids are so perfect. I can't believe they're so perfect. I could never be as good as they are. And then that family is looking back at them saying, oh my gosh, that family is so perfect. I could never be as good as they are. And it sets up the spirit of division. People get jealous about really minute things. Like, I wasn't asked to be an altar society circle leader or something like that. I've heard these things. And when we do that comparison, we stop looking at our Lord. We stop looking at our Lord. And we stop listening to our Lord in what he's calling us to do in our own life. And it happens to us as priests as well. There are days when I sit in my office and that spirit of envy like enters into my office. And I'm like, the bishop loves Father so-and-so more than he loves me. <laughs> it happens. Right? It happens to all of us. That guy, he probably says the same thing. We can get jealous of each other of other people's gifts. If there's a priest in our diocese who is an amazing preacher and evangelizer. He's amazing. And sometimes when you talk to other people about him, they'll say, oh my gosh, he's such a nut. Like, I can't believe he does X, Y, Z. He does all these things wrong. Like, he evangelizes better than anybody. Like, why do we want to attack that? 
because we all have our own gifts. And when we start to attack other people, we stop listening to our Lord. And that envy destroys the church. It destroys the church. What does the evil one want? He wants people in the church to be arguing about dumb things that aren't very important. I think it was a few weeks ago, George Weigel wrote an article. George Weigel is a great thinker in the church. He wrote an article about how priests should say mass correctly. That is a waste of an intellectual mind in the church. That he has to write an article that says, Father, will you please like, follow the guidelines when you say Mass? It's a problem. It needs to be corrected. But I really believe that's exactly the kind of article the devil wants George Weigel to write. Because it wastes our time fighting with each other. It focuses our attention on internal conflicts, and when we do that, we cease to evangelize. That's what Pope Francis means when he says, the church has become a self-referential circle, and it's because of the sin of envy that those conflicts arise, and they take our eyes off each other. Right? We see that in family life, too. Family life where there's so much, like there can be a lot of internal struggle in the family. And because of that internal struggle in the family, people in the family don't have as many friends, they don't reach out as much, they don't become part of the community, they become isolated. And we become cut off. That's what the evil one wants to do. He wants to prevent the spread of the gospel. And very subtly, sowing that seed of envy and fear and division, he's able to cripple the church in our evangelizing mission. And so St. Paul talks about love being the greatest thing, the only necessary thing. If I do all these things, but I don't have love, I am nothing. Because it is love that binds us to our Lord. It's the love of Christ that keeps us from needing to compare our lives with other people. The only person we need to compare our life with is Jesus. And as we do that, we simply need to say, Lord, have mercy on me. Christ, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. To know that our Lord is always with us. And as long as we stay rooted in him, that spirit of division has no power over us. The spirit of envy will have no power over us. Because we know who we are in Christ, we recognize the gifts that he has given us. We're able to love others as he loves them, to see others as he sees them, to admire them for their gifts. And then we are able to listen to his voice as he calls us to make his love fruitful in the church. And so today, let us pray that our Lord will banish that spirit of envy, of jealousy, 
of division from our hearts, from our family, from our parish, from our diocese. That we may truly know ourselves in Christ and make his love fruitful in the world. Because we live in a culture that needs the message of love and mercy and healing. We live in a culture that needs every member of the church to be a light that shines in the darkness. And being that light means rejecting all spirits of envy, forgiving all those who have offended us, and simply allowing the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts that our Lord may radiate through our lives in everything we do and before everyone we meet.